Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Bean. This week we are trying out a new concept, a concept that we just came up with on Monday. Was it Monday? I think so. I don't know. It was at least in something that was in service to trying to figure out something new, something for this week. We had something planned. And then we were like, hey, you know, Corey, you came up with this idea. Like, let's let's try this thing. Because obviously there are a lot of movies that I haven't seen. But apparently there are some movies that you haven't seen, like any movie that you haven't seen, which shocked me to my core. But there just so happens to also be movies that both of us haven't seen. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen every movie like there's there's lots. So I we don't came know up with this idea that, <laughs> you know, we're going to pick out some quote unquote classic movies that we have never seen and we are going to watch it and then react to it. And in this first week, we are going to be watching The Truman Show from 1998, a movie with Jim Carrey, directed by Peter Weir, starring Ed Harris, uh, written by Andrew Nichol, a lot of really talented people, and neither of us has really seen this. Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of the reason for that, and maybe my parents might have been a little more strict than yours, you're, you're older than me too, so there's at least that difference. But it's like six months, bro. Well, whatever, right? I'm just trying to reason it as to why maybe I lived a slightly more sheltered life. But yeah, it, I mean, 1998, I was, let me do some math here. What is it? 10? I think sort of at that. No. Yeah, 10, 11 years old. Yeah. So like my parents weren't letting me see everything at this stage. They accidentally let me see Backdraft, which they didn't know was an R-rated movie until years later. But this star, I mean, what's crazy to me, too, is that, like, never having seen this as a kid, I was fucking obsessed with Jim Carrey. Like, you had Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. You had Dumb and Dumber, which I wasn't as familiar with as a kid. Later in life, I became more familiar with because I think that was another one that was odd where my parents, I don't know if they didn't let me see it or whatever, it just didn't come up. And then The Mask, which even that movie, my parents were like, I don't know, the scene where he eats all the bullets, that seems violent. Uh, you know, backdraft was fine. Someone gets fucking impaled by a railing or a fence. However, someone eating a bullets in a cartoon manner and spitting them back out too much crossing the line. So yeah, for whatever reason, this was R, this is R rated. I I wasn't allowed to see it essentially. Dude, the Truman show is PG. What are you talking about? Dude, I don't know. I don't know why am I, was it really? (laughs) Yeah, it's PG. I'm just assuming, dude, I didn't even look at the rating. I was just assuming it was R rated simply because like, it wasn't something I think my parents even let me see. I I also could be wrong. They could listen to this and be like, that's not true. But they (laughs) say that a lot about a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, Parents do have the most ridiculous rules about, like, what you can and cannot see. My parents basically just drew a hard line on any sex stuff. Like, anything that had nudity or sexual things, like, that was out. Anything violent, language, like, what what the fuck ever. Um, Yeah, the Titanic was a bridge too far. But, like, the scene with Kate Winslet where she's being drawn by Leonardo DiCaprio, my mom tried to fast-forward through that without really knowing that it was just actually kind of a still shot on Kate Winslet being nude the entire time, so it really didn't work. (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching Beverly Hills Cop with my parents one time, and there was a scene in a strip club, and my dad is over there, like, reaching across the couch trying to cover my eyes, and I'm like, dude, come come the fuck on. I know know what boobs are. We know what boobs are. Like, relax. Um, but man, no, this I mean, is PG. For, wow. I know. I, it was surprising <laughs> to me too because I figured like maybe this is just something my parents didn't let me watch. But I think what it was actually is that I was also very obsessed with Jim Carrey in this time. Like you said, Ace Ventura, The Mask. Although I'm not a fan of that movie anymore, but like you know that was big. The Gable Guy, all those things. And then I think I saw this in like trailers for it, and it seemed not like normal Jim Carrey so I was just not particularly interested as a 10 11 year old kid I was like do do weird stuff make funny noises that that's what I was into right um but you know that is a really important point because this is Jim Carrey going from the comedic thing into a more dramatic role and he's done this a couple times I mean one of our favorites is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind so he's done that you know a few times he did that horror movie called The Number 23 Uh, The Man on the Moon, where he plays Andy Kaufman. So he has a bunch of those. Um, 
So as we go to watch this, one of the things that I want to keep in mind and I want to bring up later is like, where does this stack up for Jim Carrey's kind of more dramatic roles? And also, where does it stack up in like all kind of traditional comedic actors going into that dramatic role? Something like Adam Sandler doing Punch Drunk Love or doing Uncut Gems more recently, stuff like Robin Williams and the dramatic roles that he did. I want to see kind of where this stacks up and discuss that as well. I mean, I think the one thing, too, that at least I've realized over time, I'm sure you have, too, you know, the like you said, make dance for me, clown, is sort of what we <laughs> what we sort of look at Jim Carrey for. And I think what we forget, or at least I always took, not took for granted, I guess is, uh, I guess is not what I'm trying to say, but, you know, he's a real person and he's also very aware of what we're expecting of him. And, and I don't think we give Jim Carrey enough credit in terms of he can be a very funny comedic actor. I mean, was it Fire Marshal Bill or whatever it was or Fireman Bill from uh, In Living Color? Like, all, you know, that sort of stuff like this wacky character. There is a dark underbelly. Like he's it's not that he's dark or like depressed or any of that sort of stuff. It's more just like he, he the idea of grappling with celebrity and what everyone else expects of him. He's not having it. In, in a lot of in a lot of aspects and I think to do something like this which actually kind of sort of highlights that you know someone behind the film and you know sort of dance for us kind of thing and him realizing that in the moment which I I've never seen the movie of course I'm just uh, assuming that is what happens in it uh, even though I'm sure <laughs> lots of people have talked about it right uh, I it, like the only you know scene that I remember is the one we just talked about off off uh Mike, whatever you want to call it, we weren't recording yet, but, um, you know, the, the scene with him in the water, that's, that's really the only thing that comes to mind when, you know, in terms of I've seen that scene, but like, you know, I know this sort of touches on sort of like this, the obsession that we all are in now in terms of like reality television and what have you, which is going to make watching this movie probably even, you know, for the first time, truly, uh, that much more probably bizarre or at least a little more, uh, hitting close to home. Yeah, I get the feeling that this is going to be like a very prescient movie where we're just like, wow, they kind of predicted the future. And the other interesting thing is I realized that I've seen a movie very similar to this. Have you ever heard of Ed TV with uh, Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, absolutely. I realized I've seen that one, which is not very good, but I haven't seen the good version. So I'm I'm really jazzed to this is finally the good version? sit down and watch this movie. I think so. I think this is the good one from this era it's got about a, reality tv it's got a lot of pedigree exactly it's got a lot of praise i mean this is one that a lot of people talk about like when you talk about sort of like being behind the camera and everyone watching you or knowing everyone's watching you kind of thing people always refer to it as like a truman show type thing yeah and i, I was reading something i didn't read too much about it but like there's a a mental disorder now called like truman show syndrome or something like that where Oof. people have like a very deep-seated belief that they are in a reality television show and they do ridiculous shit and like it's like an actual you know psychological affliction um which is very interesting so um i was I'm, reading I'm really excited uh, to get into this the only yeah the only thing that i really truly read about this is an article by julie miller from vanity fair in 2018 that kind of mentions that andrew nickel kind of was already somewhat kind of suffering from that almost to a certain degree before he even really pitched the movie or uh, or, or or had even a rewrite uh, of this movie. So, yeah, um, it's kind of wild that... It, and, and, and the other thing about this movie is that I think, too, it, it, it was written in everything. There was no cell phones. There wasn't even the idea of any of this. Like, I guess it even was written and directed and filmed before the real world even happened, which I think is, like, kind of one of the first really true reality shows that we all know of. Yeah, I, I think it has to be. I mean, I remember... Real World coming out in like oh two somewhere around there is Fuck at least I when I became aware of it. Um, yeah, so in case we haven't made it clear, we have not yet seen this movie. Oh this yeah, is our no kind of preamble discussion, yeah. and we are going to take a quick break. We are going to literally watch the movie, and then we're going to hop back on these mics here and uh, talk about our reactions to it. And the other thing you too know, that I think is fitting, we don't have anyone else on this. Because I feel like this is a very you and I thing, kind of, uh, in a way. You know, neither of us have seen this, so 
we don't want to invite someone who has seen this be like, yeah, so anyways, I saw this like 10 years ago. I don't know why you guys are just doing a podcast about it, which is fair. To That's a the other thing is like, I really wanted to do this. And I think, you know, we might have to, we're literally workshopping this right now, but I want to call this series, wait, you haven't seen dot, dot, dot. Just to represent those assholes who do that. And I do it to you. Oh, you mean me? Like, Like, I do it to my wife all the time. Yeah, you do it to me. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we're both very guilty of it. What we're trying to say is that we're massive assholes. That's the whole reason why we've done this podcast is really just to flex about our knowledge. Yeah. I mean, we we are also said assholes. So, like, you know, wait, you haven't seen. I think that that might be our title. Or wait, you haven't seen this dot, dot, dot. I like that. I actually, I actually very much like that. Wait, you haven't seen this. The Truman Show episode. Yeah, something like that. Or wait, you haven't seen dot, 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 The Truman Show. And yes. Or one of the other 50 movies on our long list that we came up with on Monday. Yeah. Um, Beam, are you, drinking a, are you drinking a beer here? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am drinking a beer, Corey. We didn't have to go through this again to make sure I was drinking a beer. Uh, what I'm drinking is, I mean, you all know Treehouse. I don't really need to introduce you to what that brewery is all about. Went there last week, so I do have Curiosity 118. Now, it's part of their experimental series. But for us, we're talking about a movie that is, you know, exploring and being a little bit curious about someone else's life. And you know what? We're curious about a movie we haven't seen and why everyone loves it so much. So, am I wrong? That seems like a bit of a fitting beer, no? I I think it's one of the better ones we've had lately because we've been... uh... Slacking. We've been slacking. We've been slacking hardcore. There was literally one where we tried to do, like, a fake movie blood thing. So, whatever. We got it together for this one. It just so happened to work out that it was in your fridge. (laughs) We're still slacking, but, like, this one works out nicely. It's all been serendipitous, kind of, in a way, whenever we do these movies. Like, yeah, I do have this beer over here. Yeah. So, anyways, these are the pitfalls of trying to do something like this. Anyways, I'm going to open up this beer. Because it's fucking wonderful. So Corey, um, you, you obviously you are a Treehouse fan. Have you have you had any of the Curiosity series? Have you had one eighteen? Is that even a thing you could have had yet? Well, luckily, I have this untapped app. Oh, good. For any of our listeners, you haven't heard, untapped is a thing where you can annoyingly catalog, but also rate your beer for all the breweries to read what you wrote and to see how much you love or hate their beers. I don't rate much, but I There do. are people that were literally like, it's had well, way too no, much I, pineapple in it, and pineapple's in the fucking name. <laughs> I, don't, I don't write things. I just rate, and it's for me. It's not for anyone else. Like I just do it so I can see what I've had. Like if I go to a craft beer bar, I can be like, oh, I've had that already. I want to try this new one. Just so et cetera, you know, et owners are watching and social media really people. I care. <laughs> I know. But, I have to care now. By the way, everyone, Curiosity 118 is a delicious beer. Not that you all care. Not that you haven't had Treehouse beers before and probably haven't had the same reaction with almost every beer they've ever made. But just wanted to let you know that if you were wondering, if you were curious, this one is good. I've had Curiosity 114, Curiosity 113. The answer is yes, I've had a bunch. 97, 99. This is almost akin to like, have you seen this sort of thing? And if this is one that I've somehow had before Corey, because Corey has had almost every beer as well. 59. Well... The last one I checked in was 114, so I'm guessing I haven't had one. Guess you haven't had it. Well, sucks, man. Wish you were here. Also, Corey isn't here. We're not doing this in person. Our quality sounds great, but Corey isn't here in person. Um. Anyways, Corey, I think what we need to do now is stop recording, right? And yep. and watch this movie. I'm going to take a quick break, though. Myself, get a little uh, what's the word? Faded, high, stoned. One of those words. And really dive into this feeling that maybe everyone's watching me. Just get real paranoid about it. Just get real paranoid about it. So, all right, guys. I think we're going to see you on the other side of this. So we just watched the Truman Show. Beam, 
What's your immediate reaction? I I really liked it. You know, even with knowing the the larger plot to it, and there's there's obviously it has its flaws, right? Like there's definitely parts of it that has its flaws, but overall reaction to it, I I, I really enjoyed it. I I think it's to me. It, it, it feels like the beginning of Jim Carrey trying to be just Jim Carrey, if that makes sense. Not just sort of this lovable, laughable clown that we came to love in all of the other movies. In a way, he himself, or at least the character, sort of mirrors a little bit of himself where it's like, I don't want to keep playing this role. I want to be myself sort of in a way, experience something real, Um you know, not not feel like I'm constantly being followed, constantly being you know watched and that sort of stuff. So, I really like the, the the overall theme of it and how I feel like it almost you know relates to just someone being a celebrity and wanting to get away from say paparazzi and everything else, and then also just how it sort of <laughs> how prescient it was in terms of like what reality television became, the evolution of social media, and what have you. I don't know. What do you think? What do, what do you think of the movie? I like really, really enjoyed it. I was similarly of the opinion that like, okay, there's a couple things that like, it's not perfect, but it is a really, really fucking good movie. And I really, really enjoyed watching it. You know, it was, it was really interesting. I'm watching a movie, but I'm watching a television show. That's a fake television show within a movie. And then I got wrapped up in the Truman story. There's a documentary going on at the same time of it. Yeah, it's crazy. And like every time, you know, I started thinking about certain things within the movie, I was like, oh, man, I really wish they peeled back the layers and started to talk like show how they made the film or made the TV show. Mm -hmm. And then just as I was thinking that, boom, we cut to Ed Harris in this fucking Mm -hmm. moon dome, like controlling the whole thing like he's God. And so I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, let's peel back the layers a little bit and see the audience and like what they're doing. And then, boom, we start to cut to the audience. And so every everything that I wanted from it, like it just kept delivering. And I thought it was really, really freaking good. You know, one of the things that stood out to me were like little things that were really, really funny, mainly with Ed Harris. The fact that he has one name. Kristoff. That, <laughs> that douchey fucking hat. Yep. In the douchey glasses. It's just like, imagine pretentious director who thinks he's God and wardrobe, like, perfect. Boom. Done. Yep. It, mm-hmm. it, like, that was great. The little cuts to, like, the audience. There was the scene at the end where, you know, he's escaping on the boat and it cuts to the guy in the bathtub and he's hanging on. Yeah. Yeah. To, <laughs> he's hanging on. He's with him. Fucking thing. And he's right there with him. And I was like, I'm kind of feeling this too at this moment. So like, I don't it was just perfect. There's all these little things that I I, I thought it was great. Um so yeah, I really, really enjoyed that movie. Um I thought it was great. I mean so one thing about that scene too in particular, the one on the boat. So the Vanity Fair article that I referenced earlier, apparently he like he actually almost drowned. Like at, where he's actually almost drowning in the movie. Jim Carrey himself, so like it's, you know, real life being real, like that whole part of it. He nearly died in that. Like they were literally turning up gale force winds on him. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but either way, they were making it very storm-like and very difficult for him to actually swim, to actually survive, to, to tread water. I guess even like so too, there were rescue divers in the water with him. I, th- I think he says in the interview he did uh, in the Vanity Fair article, he's like, I don't know if you can see it. There's rescue divers in there, but the problem is they thought I was acting. <laughs> so no one jumped in to try and save them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like how well they pulled that off. Um, I hate using the word smart too, but I, I think you could apply that to this movie. Like, again, there are some flaws to it, but it's incredibly smart on so many different levels, the way that it builds, the subliminal messaging of sort of and for us it's obvious but the subliminal messaging of the product placement that continues to happen it becomes a little more too obvious but it's not like it's not terribly obvious to him in the movie but it becomes more obvious to him and I really like how they did that where it wasn't 
it wasn't smacking it, it, all right so the, with the viewer it's smacking you over the head with it sort of to a certain degree but it wasn't for him and i like that they paid close attention to that because it wasn't you know it wasn't about the audience it was about him in a way yeah i completely agree i think smart is a really good thing to call it because i thought it was a very very smart movie i I I was just thinking about the end when you said that and you've gone on this epic 35 year journey with Truman and then you just cut to these two fucking bum ass security guards sitting in a thing and they literally just say, all right, what else is on? (laughs) Yeah. Like if that doesn't perfectly capture the attention span of humans, human beings, this generation, America, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, like they just put they just put their finger on so many things that were so funny and prescient and just like it's really really intelligent and really well written it's very um, damning too of just society very. as a whole and it's crazy to think that this was fucking 1998 and it's like <laughs> we talked about this before like you know why don't we just look at the truman show and what happened in that movie and like maybe use it as a warning but instead we took it and like, that's a really great idea. Let's fucking do reality television. It's it's insane. Dude, we had history class. We had we grew up taking history classes throughout elementary, middle school, high school, fucking college, grad school, everything. We yes, we were supposed to always be like you learn from history. So you don't repeat it in some instances, right? But no, we're like a lot of people are like, no, we're going to take this actually and we're going to fuck with people (laughs) because that worked back then. Like it's sort of this idea of like propaganda kind of to a certain extent where, you know, we were taught like other countries use this. America doesn't use this. We are never trying to brainwash anyone. But you see it in this where that's kind of what they're trying to do not to the audience per se, but to but to Truman himself when, you know, (laughs) I want to go to Fiji a lightning striking a plane this could happen to you like yeah, that signs in the background and it's like here's all the things that could happen he's driving out and it's like extreme fire warning and then he just drives through <laughs> the fire like there's so much shit and it's just like yeah it's just this idea and it puts its finger on so many things like you know obviously there's this this prescience but it also touches on these feelings of like feeling stuck in mm. like your location like we both grew up in a small town i think we can both relate and identify to those ideas of like feeling stuck in a place and like wanting to get out so right settling our world wasn't that settling with the with with a significant other he had a true love out there but he settled because he felt like that's what you're supposed to do yeah so even though like that's not really what this is we are not you know, people who have are afflicted by the Truman show disorder, but still it puts its finger on so many things that are so relatable that it's like, it kind of, it it steps outside of that setup to make you feel things about your own life. And that's, that's pretty crazy about it. It's what art's Um, supposed to do in a lot of ways too. And and it's sort of weird to think, I'm sorry, here me thinking, I honestly should have been rated R because it fucks with your head a lot. And I really don't think like anyone that young should be able to really watch something like that and try and like have this existential crisis while watching it. But for something uh, that is PG and is so widely accessible to people, it's it's kind of crazy to me that this sort of movie exists because it almost feels like you're not able to accomplish things. You're not able to accomplish in terms of being, you know, being an indictment on society or just culture, you know, where we're at culturally as a whole without going to like PG-13 or R ratings and showing some really fucked up shit. This accomplishes it in a really... Not simplistic, but to a certain degree, kind of, because it wasn't that hard to grasp onto. But it's layered in so many ways. But either way, it doesn't, it doesn't, didn't have to be audacious um, and extreme by any matter, by any means. No, no, it was super effective without being over the top at all. We I didn't mean, need boobs. No, you didn't need any of that. And like, you know, I was thinking at the end, like, oh man, how good would it be if like Truman just flicks off the director? But like, that's not, that's not within the spirit of the movie. And it's, it's perfect the way it ends with his, his sign off, his like signature line. Um, So yeah, I thought it was really good. You know, we've talked a lot about it being great, but we both said it's not a perfect movie. So to be fair, I got a lot of questions. Yeah. To be critical, like what, 
what's one of the things that you were a little bit hung up on? The first moment where, and I apologize because I'm stuck on the name Meryl. Who's like his true love's name? Sil- uh, so, uh, Sylvia? I don't remember what her real name is. I remember her Lauren? setup name was Lauren Garland. Right. So anyways, um, the moment where she takes him to the beach and is trying to like reveal the secret just come out and say like you're on a you're on a television show your life is a television show she's just trying to say like all these people are fake and it's very vague it's not enough like i guess it's one of those moments where it's like maybe it's a cat's got your tongue kind of thing but like you had a lot of opportunity there to just be like you're being filmed your cameras are everywhere you're on a television show. Like, I know there was a guy that what, parachuted down and had the sign right, but I don't understand why that was such a hard thing to communicate to him. So that kind of, I was like, all right, that doesn't feel realistic or that clearly, that's almost like sort of the control in the movie as if they were having, you know, as is similar to the control they were trying to have on the show itself or just in Truman's life. Yeah, I didn't mind that scene so much, but I I absolutely hear what you're saying. Like, there's a couple things where obviously it's a movie; you got to suspend your disbelief. But it's like, come on, <laughs> like everything else was on. so good around it. I think is the problem for me, where it's like I understand you have to extend the plot line, and that this whole part of this flashback is meant for exposition and trying to explain who this woman is and what he's searching for. You know, who these listings that he's looking for is, but. I, I, it just felt like to the standard I was holding it at because of how well it was delivering, that fell flat for me. The only other question I have, and I, and, and I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are, but like, so this show is being filmed and aired 24-7, if I, that's correct? That is what the movie would have us believe, yes. Right, okay. So, number one, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, two... The Truman Bar, is that open 24-7? And are those people working 24-7? Then that leads me to another question, because it felt like we went through a few days on this. Was everyone just kind of holding position for a few days, including the security guards? Like, was that guy in the bathtub for, like, several days? Honestly, like, I hear everything that you're saying. <laughs> I I just wanted to watch more. Like, I, I, this I, was an I hour you. and 43-minute movie. And it just opened up so many questions for me that I was like, I could watch this for 24 hours because I want all the answers to all of these questions. Like, uh-huh. I am very curious about even more of this world that they've built. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, those are problems, but also they just left me curious. Like, I'm sure those things exist. It's just like, all right, well, we can't make a two hour and a half, like two and a half hour movie. So, like. We got to focus, but at the same time, I absolutely had exactly the same questions as you. I was like, <laughs> this is fucking fascinating. This whole world is fascinating. It's our world. It's the world yeah. we live in is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and that's the thing is like you get a view into like, I wish I could follow some person around just to like know what their day is like. I don't know. Like it's just, just some regular old questions. schmuck. Yeah. I don't know. The guy who I walk by. There's this guy, I walk by him almost every day when I'm walking the dog. He is always on his phone. He has his dog tied up around his waist and pays zero attention to said dog. Because it's around your waist. You don't have to to worry. I want to know that guy. Who the fuck is that guy? (laughs) (laughs) I kind of have a similar thing. I have a guy that walks up and down my street with a cane. Now, he's not using the cane for any sort of weight support by any means or to help out with some sort of injured limb. No, nah, he's just carrying it in his hand, almost like shaking it and talking at the same time. I just want to know, what's your morning into going to bed like? Are you doing this? And why do I feel like you should probably be in better shape with the amount of walking you do? And see, this is this is why reality television exists, because we're sitting here and we're wondering about random dude on the street. And this is what gives us a view to that kind of. Well, generally um, what it leads to, though, is then we learn that like, oh, my God, this person's a monster. Yeah, and, you know, when you peel back the layers enough, you get shit that you don't want to see. But, like, human curiosity is what, like, this movie's really about. Beer was perfect. Curiosity number 118, ladies and gentlemen, by Treehouse. Delicious. Yeah. Go get yours today. I actually might not be available. <laughs> Beam just throwing out free ad space. They, I they work for another brewery, on yeah. Truman Show. Whatever. So, wait, hold on. I, I, I said, I, I mean, I guess, so the, the second thing I brought up, 
maybe not flaws, but did you have your own flaws that you spotted? Is there things that you were kind of a little bit let down by in this movie? The only one was I felt like it was a really bizarre transition from when Truman goes through this first like crisis. Then he meets his dad. Shit seems normal. And then we just transitioned to him fake sleeping in the basement. Like that was a weird transition to then the sec- like last third of the movie. So that was the only thing, that transition. But like then the last third totally paid off, so I didn't really care. Um, but that was a weird transition. Like I would have kind of liked to see Meryl that blow up. I think that could have been Where funny. she left? Yeah, where she yeah, actually where like she packed left. up and left. Yeah. I agree so with that. There's little things in that that like were I, I just wish we could have seen a little bit more of that. Um, but honestly, that was the only thing that I was like, felt a little let down by. Otherwise, I thought it was great. Well, I guess, so uh, I, I do think it's interesting that you brought that up. But I guess in the moment, in terms of when I'm thinking about it now. So what happened? It's, um, fuck. Paul what? Oh, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. When, you know, he is co- not not asleep, I guess sort of asleep at the wheel, but like just not paying attention I think it was almost necessary for us to sort of be on that ride as well where it's like we were just distracted that we missed it and that happened so I agree where there is a transition but how else are you going to do it I I almost think it would have been too much like a movie as opposed to us almost being sort of part of the audience that's watching it and us not actually seeing it and having to discover it in the way that um you know Paul Giamatti's character and Kristoff uh discovered it as well I, I I didn't mind that as much no, that's a really good point. And when you think about it in the context of like, this is a show that is on 24 hours. Like if you're an audience, you're going to get distracted and then you come back in and you're just like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, He's right? escaped. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, it well, just felt a little bit awkward within yeah. the movie, but yes, I, I hear that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So then the one thing I kind of want to ask you though, and, and I guess sort of was a general question for me when watching this movie. So the mishaps that were kind of happening, one, the light falling. To the weird rainfall in the one spot and how he's able to outrun it sort of in a way and he discovers that so obviously this is starting to become the beginnings of his realization that oh I'm being watched were these mishaps always happening and he just never picked up on it or is it these mishaps are just now occurring because they're falling asleep at the wheel where they got too comfortable that they got in a groove and got maybe a little too lazy weren't paying attention too much or were they always happening and he's just now picking up on it? And then my question would have to be, why is he all of a sudden now picking up on it? It's a great question. You know, I that was another thing that, like, we're dropped into this movie on day, like, 10,910, something like I that. I thought it was 19, and but it's okay. Neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, so somewhere in there. So this has been going on for so long. So again, one of the questions that came up was just like, and I like how they use the flashback a little bit to show like a previous thing, you know, show him as a kid a little bit. Yeah, That was yeah. cool. I had so many questions about this production for the first 10,918 days before we're dropped into it. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine part of it's just like maturity. <laughs> he's, he's at an age where he's finally asking questions. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. And the other thing that I'm kind of curious about in terms of the production is, is 5,000 cameras enough? That almost seems know. like it's not enough for this world they built. Uh, it's it's just an entire, like, crazy world. And, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't even know what to say about it. I I want to go visit. It's uh, I mean, in terms of... In, quite a place. <laughs> in terms of production, too, like, what is your overhead... Like, to pay for these actors to just be 24-7, you've got your production crew even behind you having to work on this. you got a guy doing the score in real time. Like, how are you paying these people? How are these people making money? A lot of questions about the production. I want to I want a documentary a about bit. it. Yeah, <laughs> I want it. Like, I actually, like, the documentary they were filming about it, I want to see that. Behind the scenes of the Truman Show, it'd be that'd be a fascinating movie. Then another sequel that I want is like, what are the next? What's the next week like for him? Because dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. How does he <laughs> so adjust much. to real life? <laughs> like I could just spend 
days in this world. So what is know, his next I two guess months? It was effective. What is his five year plan after just walking <laughs> through that door? And also, what is the first interaction he has when he walks through that door? Does he punch Kristoff right in the face? I don't know. I have so many questions and I want to know all of the answers. All right. So I want to change gears a little bit. Let's talk about now watching this through 2021 goggles. And obviously we touched on this a little bit with, you know, reality television. We both watch reality television. Yes, we do. You are an avid fan of the circle. Love it. I third season just dropped on Netflix. Everyone just wanted to let you all know. I am a card carrying member of bachelor nation as embarrassing as that is. Just so own it. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. And this puts its finger on it in such an incredibly way. Like what? I, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask, but like, what the fuck, man? How did we get here? I think they kind of called it right. I mean, we just want yeah. first it started out with like one random dude. Then we just turned it into some sort of competition. So then like you're actually able like because we all love to see. Why do why are sports even a thing? We kind of want to see people compete and then see who's going to do what and who ends up winning in the end kind of thing. And then we sort of get to a point where we're now actually able to have, well, to a certain extent, we had the Truman Show or just random people that we have no idea whatsoever. And they live these crazy lives, at least through television and probably producers. And again, this sort of controlled environment, you know, we are all fascinated by that. And then also celebrities are willing to just let us right into their lives. And to a certain degree, it's like, are we really seeing their real lives or is it just because they know they're on camera? We're putting on a show. So it's, I don't know. It's like you, you look at someone like Truman, you know, Truman's character, at least the character of Truman. And he wants no part of that where everyone else is fine playing that bit role because they're getting paid. Yeah. I mean, there's this quote from Marlon that I immediately wrote down when he said it, he says right in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. I love how they open the movie with like credits of the show, as opposed to like opening credits of a movie. Yeah. And he says, nothing here is fake. It's merely controlled. And like, I just, that's exactly what all these things are. They're just producers controlling narratives. They're producers controlling the editing afterwards to control the narrative, but we all buy into it. And I, I've, I've been so conflicted about like liking these bachelor shows because I'm like, I know this is so fake. I know this is freaking stupid, but I get so invested in these people that I like actually care. And I know I'm being manipulated, but I don't, I also don't care. And like, I, it's so conflicting And this movie just like puts all, it, it just captures it all perfectly before any of it really happened, which is remarkable. I mean, the thing, though, is that just think about just sort of not even and I guess this is where I put my conspiracy theory hat on, but I don't even know if it's really that much of a conspiracy where it's a lot of things are that are done, whether it's being sort of reality television, which I mean, we I, I think you and I can at least agree that we understand that it's entertainment, but like the moments where, you know, Truman meets his dad or Truman does, you know, he survives the flood or all that sort of stuff. I could relate to those moments so much because that's what you're waiting for in reality television. You're waiting for those triumphant moments because you you have a character that you latch on to. And Truman is the character that everyone was kind of forced to latch on to. But say we watch any of these things, like whether it's a contestant on The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whether it's a contestant on The Circle or whatever this. We have our characters that become our favorites that we relate to the, the most. And when they have their moments of triumph... We are we're literally like clapping and cheering along and being right there with them. So I think it kind of spoke to that before it actually happened to us, which is sort of wild. But then the other thing, when you sort of think about it, I think sort of on a on a on a grander scale, we're just kind of susceptible to that as human beings. Like even with whatever's told us on, and I say on the news, but wh- who the people are doing it through the news, I've been in it, PR politicians any of these different you know heads of spokespersons for different corporations you know when when he says control yes the messages that are being given to us are controlled and it's up to us whether we're going to sort of accept those as reality or have more questions 
Yeah, and I mean, everything on those shows is controlled too, you know. Oh, for sure, right. The producers know who the audience is going to latch on to, so they focus on them and they create like a certain narrative for them. So every time it's just fed to us, and yet I still love it. And of course I have questions and like, you know, I don't believe it, but it still makes for hella good entertainment. Yeah. You know? Which is why we kind of forgive it to a certain extent. We do, and, like, it it also put its finger on so many things. You know, there's this whole cottage industry around the Truman Show. There's a guy hosting a talk show, which is what everyone does. There's all these podcasts out there about The Bachelor and whatever else. And, you know, it cuts to these, like, watch parties of, like, huge stadiums full of people watching the Truman Show. And I just kept imagining, like, these people who do watch parties for The Bachelor every week. It's at a bar, too. Like, the the Truman Bar. It fucking happens. I know. It's crazy. So, like, it just predicted all these things. And it's, it's wild watching it now, knowing what's been going on. And, like, it's just kind of remarkable how they were able to predict all these things. And, like... It's almost like they watched the Truman Show and just used it as a playbook as opposed to like a a cautionary tale. Yeah. Was 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 Truman was the Truman Show really just a cautionary tale or was it just, hey, guys, I got some really good ideas. Here's how you can make more money off of these things. (laughs) No, but I mean, that's what people do. They take these things and they're like, "Ah, let's disregard the caution. It's like when you watch Wolf of Wall Street, certain people watch that movie and they're like, yes, I want to live like Jordan Belfort. And it's like, you're missing the point, but that's what what always We had that conversation with Zach about Boiler Room. Like, yes, uh, you know, you know, finance bros watch that shit and they're like, yes, I want that life. I want to know how to quote uh, Glengarry Ross. Like, please. Yeah, so, I mean, these things, I, I just don't know. I don't know how to feel, but The Truman Show is a very smart, prescient movie, a very good movie. That's what makes um, it so good is that we're literally having this conversation around it because it provokes that. Yeah, and it's it's wild in that way. So let's go to some of the stuff that we kind of brought up in the beginning. You know, we mentioned that this was nominated for three Oscars, Ed Harris, for supporting actor, Peter Weir for director, Andrew Nichol for, for screenplay. Were those were those deserved now, watching that? Uh, Weir and Nichol, yes. Ed Harris put in a great performance. Do not get me wrong. Ed Harris, I think, is a phenomenal actor. I love him in a lot of things that he's in. I don't know. Well, you probably actually could have put someone else in that role. I know there were actually other people they were looking to get in that role, but, you know, they landed on Ed Harris, which actually I think they were, like, almost, like, gunning for someone who could do it, but, and Ed Harris is the guy, but I I think we kind of missed the mark on, on, on Jim Carrey there. I think Jim Carrey deserved, because, like, don't, yeah, I think this is something where he deserved a bit more recognition as an actor, especially after all the movies that we saw him in before this and what got us to, you know, learn to love Jim Carrey. I think he deserved a little more recognition. I mean, what do, what do you think? Do you think that those nominations were deserving or was there anyone missed in that? Yeah, I think we are definitely deserved it. I think the voyeuristic camera shots that he was using to yeah. like bring you into this idea of the Truman Show, like perfect. Andrew it was Nichols seamless, screenplay. right? Like, it was yeah, seamless, seamless in terms of like, because you didn't even think like for a moment that you're like, oh shit, wait, hold on. I'm actually watching like the, you know, the the, the hidden camera in this. Yeah, so it was really good, really seamless. Um, Andrew Nichols' screenplay is, like, just so spot on. All the things that we've been talking about, that's, like, all from his head. Great for him. I agree with you, Ed Harris. I thought the best things about him were the choices that, like, Wardrobe made. Um, Right. His performance is good, but nothing special. I think the Jim Carrey thing, you saw it with Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. There's, There's this pushback against these traditionally comedic actors who then do these dramatic roles and it's like yeah they did a good job for a comedic actor there's always like this this qualifier that's put on it but i thought jim carrey was excellent i mean he got to do jim carrey stuff but he also got to do a bunch of other stuff and you know he was he was great i i don't know who got leading actor i'd have to look at that to say like he got snubbed but you know he was quite good and you know i do think he got a lot of recognition for the role but you know, in terms of awards, I don't know. Um, 
tough to say. But we did talk about that beforehand, you know, Jim Carrey doing these comedic performances. Where does this stack up for you compared to some of his other stuff, as well as kind of this larger idea of comedic actors doing these dramatic roles? How do you mean, just like for Jim Carrey himself or just like in the grander scheme of like comedic actors doing more dramatic roles? Both. Both. Let's let's do Jim Carrey first. Where does it stack up in his like more dramatic roles? I think this is right behind Eternal Sunshine. Agreed. I think Eternal Sunshine was better. Eternal Sunshine, yeah. I mean, because that was kind of his, that wasn't, that was almost like a stripped down Jim Carrey, which is a really wonderful thing to see. Where it's like, with although I almost, and, and, and maybe it's just because of this Vanity Fair article and just kind of seeing who Jim Carrey has become in terms of his public persona now, it's almost like he was kind of like laughing through the pain, sort of in a way, where he knew that there was, you know, especially when he discovered that he was on television and that everyone could see him after, after um, which I also love too, by the way where Kristoff is talking to him, but it's almost as if he's God because Kristoff thinks he's God and he has yeah. this sort of God complex of himself. Um, but when he kind of tells him, like, you're on television, you have a chance to say this to everyone, and he just sort of does what he knows, what everyone wants to see from him, and it gets obviously the big applause and everything else, I kind of feel like that was just a little bit of a nod almost in a way from Jim Carrey just being like, I know what you want. For-. And and he admitted to this in, in the story, and I think he said in other interviews too, about sort of, you know, either reviving characters like either Ace Ventura and doing a second Dumb and Dumber, but, like, he knows what people want and expect from him, but he's not necessarily here for it. And it's almost just, like, him doing that in that moment as a Truman character. It's like, here's my one last send-off, I'm, but I'm fucking done with this shit, and just kind of walks out. And that almost kind of hits home with me a little bit more, but, like... You know, when it comes to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you know, he's not having to break those barriers. Now he's just like, this is him as an actor. So I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of tough for me in a way to really decide between two after watching this now, after having seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's a little tough. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I mean, the way that it kind of mirrors Jim Carrey makes it both very impressive but I'm also I'm, I'm more impressed with like the casting choice of doing that than you know Jim Carrey's actual performance because he is allowed to just kind of do Jim Carrey stuff um, Eternal Sunshine is such like a heartbreaking role there's none of the goofy like Jim Carrey things in that movie he's just completely doing the opposite and it really works so I, I do prefer that but this is a very very good performance I'm very impressed um, well fucking done. What, really great. Do you think to a certain degree with something like The Truman Show that this is almost like kind of not self-aware, but I guess sort of to a degree like, hey, I know this is this is the Jim Carrey stuff that you're used to, but I'm doing this because this is what's expected of me. And that's sort of the arc of the character to a certain extent. For sure. And like that winking and nodding without like being obvious about it is really good. But also I think that's just the reason that they cast him. Right. So like, that's what I'm more impressed by is yeah. like, you could have gone with somebody else, but like, that's just the perfect casting choice to have this person who has to deal with all these expectations of like what people want and yeah. to kind of then fight against it. It's almost like a natural character arc with the person. So I, I like the casting choice more than the actual performance, but it's still a really great performance. Like very, very I mean, yeah, great. you got to give him credit for still sticking yeah, the absolutely. landing. Right. Yeah, but that's, I, I, that's really tough to do. I agree with you, Eternal Sunshine. But in terms of like overall, like comedians going to those more serious roles, like I know you mentioned Adam Sandler. Oh, I don't know. Vince Vaughn has tried it. Um, who else other than Robin Williams and 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 Adam Sandler? I feel like those are like the obvious ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are the big ones. I mean, there's. Will Ferrell did this movie called Stranger Than Fiction, okay, which actually yeah. has a lot of Truman Show elements to it. Right. Um, you know, it's not my favorite. I think the two that kind of Jim Carrey is in contention with is Adam Sandler. I think Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems are both 
freaking amazing. Right. And Robin Williams, I mean, he's got so many. He's got Good Morning Vietnam. He has Goodwill Hunting. Dead Poets um, Society. Just so many. Dead Poets Society. And in a lot of those movies, he still gets to do Robin Williams things, but he gets to do so much more. This for me felt like this brought me closer in terms of when I'm going to compare Jim Carrey. It brought me closer to comparing him to to Robin Williams because I feel like they're both such prolific comedic actors that it's gotten to a point where, you know, when either of them do a serious movie, we actually kind of expect it from them. Where like with Adam Sandler, sure, he did Punch Drunk Love. But then he's also done a lot of other nonsense. I don't even know was it Hugh, I don't even know what the other one where he's like playing some. Just I don't any, any right, Netflix movie. Any of the Netflix the movies that he's years. put out, and then he did Uncut Gems, which is like more power to you. But I just feel like this performance really, really put Jim Carrey up there, and he's developed himself even more. And I feel like this movie in particular, I would compare it to something like what what Robin Williams has done, whether it's his Dead Poet Society or. Or, or his goodwill hunting to a certain extent. Yeah, I agree. I think I would put him above Adam Sandler, but not above Robin Williams. No, I think Robin no, no, Williams no. Is just he's he's a Juilliard trained actor. Like you can't incredible. really top that dude. No, and you know that that's the gold standard of traditional comedic actors doing dramatic stuff. Like you are always chasing Robin Williams and. You know, Jim Carrey did a great job. I really love this movie. I really liked his performance. Not on the level of Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting or Dead Poets or whatever else. Um, also, shout out to Ben really Stiller. You, you you've done some good. Like Greenberg, I see you. I saw what you were trying to do there too. Like I think I think he's he's put in a solid effort. Ben Stiller has some moments. I quite liked Vince Vaughn on True Detective season two. I, I mean, did the too. show was garbage. Terrible. But he was good. Yeah. Um. So respect. Jamie Foxx kind of deserves a shout. He did a lot of comedic stuff early on and then transitioned. A lot of respect for Jamie Foxx. There's Uh, someone we're missing. And I would love for whoever listens to this to call us out about it because I know there's someone else we're missing. Yeah, there's got to be. Jamie Um, Kennedy. There it is. All right, let's move on. I don't know if he's ever done. I I don't know if he's ever done a serious movie. I'm sorry. I just I don't even think he's funny. So I don't even know. I mean, I think he's funny in those little bit roles, like uh, Enemy of the State. Love that movie. Great there it stuff. is. Ooh, Jack Black. So I was thinking, what has Jack Black done that's been kind of serious? Uh, he was in a rom-com called The Holiday. If you really want to say that's good. a serious one. <laughs> I did think yeah. about him. I was rifling through my head. I was like, who else? But I was thinking maybe Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Midnight in Paris. All those Wes Anderson movies and Woody Allen, but they're still kind of like whimsical, quirky comedies. And that's, that's where he, like he came to be with that, with those first Wes Anderson movies. So like, I think he's done action of, movies too. Oh dude, behind enemy lines. There it is. That's a great, enemy, that's a great action movie. I mean, he's not really acting, but he, I like the action. Like he's, he's doing good action stuff in that. There it is. We got it. Okay. You know what? Right. You know what? There it is. I, it's Owen Wilson, actually, that beats out all of them. He's actually the top. He's the king <laughs> to take the, down. That's not the real answer, but uh, I do like Behind Enemy Lines. Great movie. <laughs> actually, is that a twin fi- No, it's not. Okay. Oh, I'm wait. Think I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Enemy at the Gates. I think, I think they came just, out the same year. But I think I'm just thinking that they both have Enemy at the title. No, I remember I them coming out around. I remember them coming out around the same time. I just don't think they're very similar. 2001. Both 2001 movies. Yeah, maybe we'll have to think about that. I don't. I, I honestly don't think the plots are that similar. I think they just both have enemy in the title. We'll have to look into Does it. Does that count? No. <laughs> enemy <laughs> of the Gates is obviously more about a sniper, but like, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, so I think we're, we're just about done. I think we have to wrap this thing up. Any closing thoughts on the Truman Show beam? I, I, I so one I, I like that we're doing this and maybe it's because we started off with the Truman show and 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 how it just sort of got my 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 brain running a lot in terms of just thinking about where we are as a society and everything else and it kind of I shouldn't have smoked before this I it put on my tinfoil hat and I'm just like you know what though but the government so like <laughs> <laughs> but um 
I, I, man, it, it's it's kind of crazy to watch that movie and to see how relevant it still is, to see how it still holds up. And I think that speaks a lot to it in, in a lot of ways, just as a film in general, in terms of a lot of the movies that we just that we know to be some of the greatest of all time. And and this is, I mean, it's just it's wonderful. And Andrew Nichol, I don't even. So what else has he done? Because I probably should have looked that up a little bit. Was this his like masterpiece? Like, was this just like okay, can't do this? Is what everyone works their entire life to get to, and he did it right off the bat. And then after that, it's just sort of like, eh. Sorry, Andrew Nichol, I don't I know. know. For sh- <laughs> I know for sure he's done a couple other things that I quite like. To be fair, I didn't know Andrew Nichol did this until I had to read up on it before we were going to watch it. So oh, he wrote he wrote Lord of War, and I think he also directed that. The one with Nicolas Cage where he's like an arms dealer. Oh, I I mean, I liked it. Yeah, it was solid. And then he did um he did a movie called In Time with Justin Timberlake. Okay. Um, it's a really cool concept, like dystopian future movie. Not the best, uh, not the best execution, but Andrew Nichol has some really great ideas. It's like you have a certain life expectancy. You have 25 years, and once you reach 25, you only live for one more year, but you work to keep putting time on your life. That's like the money. That's the currency in this Mm. future society, and there's like people that are hoarding large numbers of time of their lives, and those are like the rich people came out in like the wake of Occupy Wall Street, Um, so there's a lot of prescient ideas there, but uh, not the best execution, but really cool idea. Do you, that's that's what I got on Andrew Nichol. Do you, do you think that Andrew Nichol gets invited to a lot of Hollywood dinner parties? Or do you think he's just a huge bummer and people are like, we can't do this anymore? <laughs> I have no idea, but given his movies, he seem, he's certainly like a very, uh, he seems to have a very dark, but wit, witty mind. Like it's, it's Witty, funny. for sure. It's funny. Um, I, I mean, know. to I be fair. be like at a cocktail party. I think I read that like, and, and I got to remember, I, I, I would have to refer back to the Vanity Fair article, but like pretty sure they said it was like a little too dark and they had to kind of lighten the mood on, on Truman's show a little bit. So I believe it. it. I feel like it probably got into some like, I, I almost kind of want to see that movie too. Like, yo, what was your original take on this? I'm sure you could probably find the original script somewhere. That's got to be out there. Maybe Truman died. He 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 drowned in those waters. And like, cause, okay. So going back to something that I actually kind of liked about it, and it's sort of like it almost kind of throws it back in the face of us, the audience, where they're like, "We're gonna watch it. You can't just let him die on live television." And his response is, "We watched him be bo- like we watched him be born on live television. What's the difference between watching him die?" There's definitely traces of some dark shit still left in there, mainly with the Kristoff character. I think he, we need to check on Andrew He was definitely Nichol. toned down. I think we need to check on him and just see how he's doing. Like, in these modern times. Like, I, I actually kind of want to see that interview. Like, hey, man, so you wrote Truman Show back in 1990-whatever, and it was made in 1998. 23 years later, how do you think we're doing? I'd love to hear his take on Bachelor Nation. That's, that's what I need. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, like we said, this is going to be kind of a recurring series. This was a great first one to do. I liked it, man. This is fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it it allows us to explore some movies that we've never seen. Um, Beam, do you have one that you've always, like, had on your list that you've never watched that you're just kind of embarrassed about that maybe we should do next? But it would have to be one that you haven't seen. That's true. I mean, mine is Schindler's List. I, oh, all right. I've never seen it. <laughs> Dude, I don't know you why. You just named it. You just named it. I I just don't. I've never seen Schindler's List. I didn't know you. I Honestly, I thought as a movie fan, you've seen it. But neither of us have seen We have a fucking podcast about <laughs> movies, music, and television. And neither of us have seen Schindler's List. I just don't know. Is that if a great I have feeling? Three hours. I don't know. Dude, <laughs> don't all know. right. Don't give me this. We've had this conversation about the Irishman. I know. All right. So I, you're going to tell me you don't have three hours for Schindler, like a movie that matters. Like the Irishman, no one gives a fuck about that shit. You're going to tell me that. I love that Yeah, movie. I know you do. You're going to tell me, though, like it's more important than fucking Schindler's list. 
Tim Robbins on his knees in the mud, crying in the rain after escaping. You're going to tell me. That's Shawshank Redemption, bro. See, here I am. I have no idea. <laughs> do you even know what Schindler's List is? No, I do. I do. For some reason, I just confused the two. I haven't seen Shawshank either. So if you want to talk about one that's embarrassing that I haven't seen, Shawshank is also another one. That one is embarrassing. Wait, you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption? That's the name of the show. Um, all right. So I think we should do Schindler's List next then. I've Schindler's been, List it is. Honestly, I have it on DVD and it just sits in my collection unwatched. Why? Because every time Why I did you buy at, it? I don't, I don't, I did honestly you buy don't it? know why I bought it. I think I bought it with the intention of like, this will make me watch it. And then every time I go to my DVD shelf, not that I do that very often because, you know, streaming, but every time I go to the shelf and look at it, I'm like, no, not the time. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want a three hour depressing story about the, the Holocaust. I don't know if that's what I need right now. You know, it's really funny though, is as I was saying that whole thing about Tim Robbins and him being like on his knees crying in the rain, literally in the moment as I'm doing that, I'm totally fine with this still being on the podcast. I was like, wait a minute, is he? I don't think he's trying to play a Jewish person in that, is he? <laughs> I literally had to no, have that no, thought to not. myself. Not great. His, it wasn't a great moment, but is, whatever. <laughs> his name is Andy Dufresne in that movie. Um, sure. Just FYI. I don't know. Yeah, sure. All right, I'll so, watch that at some time. So let's get out of here. <laughs> I think Schindler's List is what we're going to do next, but there we're going to need a month. All right, so you can follow us on Instagram at Back Porch Media, on Twitter at Porchback Media, follow us on Spotify, app podcasts, all of that stuff, rate and review us. Let us know what you think of this new idea of ours, whether you enjoyed it. Let us know some of the movies you think we should do. Of course, there'll have to be movies that we haven't seen yet. Because um, you guys can read our minds, right? There. Yeah, you guys all know like our life story and what movies we've seen or not. Yeah. Throw them out there to us. We'll watch them and we will react. Uh, we'll react. Yeah, whether we'll watch them or not is is still in question. We'll react though. We'll, we'll fake our reactions. Also, let us know too. I really am curious. Like, are we forgetting comedic actors who have done some really great serious roles that we did not mention on this podcast? And are any of them Jack Black <laughs> or Vince Vaughn? I was struggling to think of other ones because there was he did the remake of Psycho, but that was just eh. awful all right all right let's let's get out of here that's 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 fine that's fine we don't we don't need to talk about that one all right see y'all later bye